I'm glad we're together today in this space. Uh, my name is Mark Cummins, and I'm the pastor at Church of Hope. And if you're a regular attender, welcome. So glad that week after week we join together in this space. And if by chance this is your first time, I'm really glad that we're beginning our friendship today. Uh, understand that this broadcast literally goes around the world for free. See, we believe that life's at its best when people discover hope in Christ. There are people who give generously so this broadcast can be reached across every continent. If you've never given, I would invite you today to give. You can go to our webpage, hopeinocala.com, and drop down on the giving bar and give a one-time gift. Or you can give generously beyond just today. And if God's blessed you, help us as we give hope around the world. But for now, I want you to open up your heart and your mind. Let Jesus speak to you because what I believe is that when we open up our minds and let Jesus speak to us, life doesn't become perfect and all the problems don't go away, but you experience his presence in you, with you, and for you. Open up your heart. Let Jesus speak to you today. Peace. Uh, tipping point, the beginning of the very best. In our lives, we have tipping points. There's a tipping point in a relationship when perhaps you're dating and really starting to like each other. There's a tipping point where it moves from just liking to each other where you begin to think that you're in love and then ultimately you tip into a lifelong commitment called marriage, right? There's a tipping point. There's a tipping point as a parent. As you birth this child into existence, they're in your home, you feed them, you clothe them, but their behavior has you at a tipping point. You might be committing murder. <laughs> There's a tipping point, right? There's a tipping point in all of our lives. You watch a sporting event and two teams are competing. There's a tipping point in that game where the momentum tips in the direction, hopefully, of your team. In this Bible study, we are talking about a biblical tipping point, about God's word 2,500 years ago, how God said something would happen, and now in 2023... What God said was going to happen has happened. Uh, to be clear, as we kind of frame our time together, there are two events that happen in the future. The Bible talks about one is the rapture and the second is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The rapture, there is no prophecy at all. The rapture is imminent. It can happen at any time. But the Bible does speak very clearly and prophetically about this event of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, none of us argues about the first coming of Jesus. Matter of fact, we're all getting ready for it. Some of you might have your Christmas tree up already. Some are already getting their Christmas presents and plans and things together, right? Um, but the Bible sp speaks more about the second coming of Jesus than it does the first coming of Jesus. So I know we have busy lives. I know there's a lot of things going on in our life. But it's important for us to lean in, to understand, not to be worried, not to be wigged out, but so that we know how to live 
vibrantly and passionately and successfully in the times in which we live. I gave you last week from the story of, of Israel um, four empirical pieces of data, how God said this was going to happen, and throughout history, it happened exactly the way God said that it would happen. And now this morning, in your Bible or on the screen, we're going to go back to Matthew 24. This is known as the Olivet Discourse. Jesus is teaching the disciples then, and he's teaching us now. In my prayer, if I could just get your attention for just a moment, my prayer is that we'll just be uber present here this morning. It's not lost on me. Like, we live in one of the best places in the world. I really believe that. Ocala, Florida, Marion County, Central Florida. Some of the pressure points uh, that happen kind of out there in other communities, we don't have here. And it would be easy for us to think that, well, it'll never happen here. Jesus teaches us that we always need to be prepared. He says it this way. He says, if a homeowner knew that a robber was going to break in their house in the middle of the night, the homeowner would be prepared and you would be prepared. If that's true in the protection of our homes, it also should be true in how we live out our lives. But everybody's always wanting to know about Jesus and he's coming again. And that's not new just in 2023. That goes all the way back to the first disciples. Check it out. In verse three, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answers, watch out that no one deceives you. And that's my purpose, my passion. I want you to be up on what God has said for you, your family, and life. I want you to be up on what God has said for you and your family. Not one of us has to be deceived. Being deceived is a debilitating human emotion. Perhaps you were deceived in a relationship. You said, I do. And you believe that they said they do, but they didn't. You were deceived. Maybe you were deceived by a marketing ploy. If you buy this product, if you do this and this kind of warranty, and then it wasn't exactly how they said. Being deceived is destructive. Jesus doesn't want any of us to be deceived. He wants us to understand that we are living in a tipping point, the beginning of the very best. And I like saying it that way because when we talk about, quote, end times, well, it can, it can, feel, it can feel maybe discouraging and feel, feel heavy. Or perhaps, you know, some people, you know, they're so obsessed about end times, they're oblivious of these times. I want us to be aware of how we live today. Now, notice just a few verses down in your Bible, verse 14, Matthew 24. The good news about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, it will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. God wants everybody to discover hope in Jesus Christ. Every single human being, you give so generously and we give that money to missionaries literally around the world from Ocala to the uttermost part of the world so people will hear the story of Jesus Christ. Now notice. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel, the prophet, spoke about. So in the middle of this, Jesus throws in 
this book in the Bible from back in the Old Testament. Hey, have you ever been watching a show, kind of like your favorite show, and you're in the moment, and it's a plot, and it's building, and then all of a sudden, across the screen, it'll say, three months earlier, and they take you back, and they kind of give you context about what was going on back then, and how the characters and the plot back then worked their way out to be right where you are now in the story. That's what Jesus is doing. So we got to go back to Daniel. Now, we don't have time this morning. Daniel's an Old Testament book. It's 12 chapters long. We're not going to read, if it's okay with you, we're not going to read the whole book this morning. But we are going to look at the very last chapter, and we are going to look at a few verses. Now, notice what it says in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, speaking about Israel, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up. I taught that in previous series. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness Keep the prophets, will shine like the stars forever. But now notice this, verse four. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. In other words, seal up this book. It won't be understood until you get there. The events that I'm talking about right now, Daniel, they make no sense at all contextually. Seal it up until we get there. 2,500 years ago, Daniel writes, seal this up. What's up? There are two things at the end. He says this. The end, we will be at the tipping point, the beginning of the very best. We tip in when one travel increases, people begin to travel from here to there to here to there, and then second, knowledge increases. Let's talk about that travel for just a second. When Daniel's writing, people traveled by foot. Most people didn't travel very few miles from their home. My mom's mom, Grandma Leitner, to me, she lived in Hartford, Michigan. And in her entire lifetime, she never left the county in which she lived. You probably maybe know somebody in your family. The, the travel that we know today, and to those of you who are younger and 40 and under, so to speak, you, you think everybody's just always traveled the world. It hasn't been that way. From the archaic cars just 100 years ago to the airplanes that now we jet literally all around the world. In 1838, between New York and Europe, it took 18 days for people to travel. By 19 or by 1889, it only took five days. And today, a couple hours, you can be in Europe. And today, if you got $450,000, you can buy a ticket for space travel. I mean, it just absolutely, travel has expanded. Uh, there, this past year in 2022, 853 million Americans flew commercially. I wonder how many of them flights are on time. <laughs> Probably not mine nor yours, right? There's only 331 mil million Americans. So you begin to see there is this pickup of travel. I'm gonna give one other piece of data and then make the point. Is in the world, there are roughly eight 
billion people. There's also 6.9 billion smartphones. You take away the babies and the small children, literally every human being has a smartphone. In the 1920s, there was a pastor and he was preaching and he said out loud that the only way Jesus Christ could ever come back again is one, if Israel became a nation again. In 1920, that was laughable. Like, you cray-cray. You, you have no idea what you're talking about. And then secondly, if every human being had the ability to see the same thing at the same time. And in 1920, they're like, you're absolutely crazy. And then you jump to the book of Revelation. And I know for some of you, that's kind of a complicated book. Uh, a lot of the metaphors and allegory, you're kind of wondering, how do you decipher that? Daniel is the prologue to everything that gets written in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation, we are told about what happens after that rapture. The rapture, Jesus comes. He doesn't come back to the earth. He's in the sky. Those who have already died, they're going to rise and meet Jesus first. And those of us who are still living, we rise and we are now in heaven. The Bible then says we go into a period of time where a world leader will rise up and make a peace accord with Israel. We can see that in the news today. If there was a person in the world today that could step on the world scene and bring peace to the Middle East, the, the world would love that man. Well, the Bible says there's coming a time where that man will rise up and there'll be this wonderful peace agreement with Israel for seven years. The first three and a half years are gonna be phenomenal. But the end of those three and a half years, that man is going to turn on Israel. He's going to breach that peace accord. He's going to go into the Holy of Holies on the Temple Mount, and he's going to sit on the throne and declare he is God. For those first three and a half peaceful years, there were two witnesses for God. They stood on the, they will stand on the Temple Mount and they will declare hope in Christ over and over. And through them, many people will discover hope in Jesus. But the world will turn against them. The world will hate them terribly. We pick up the rest of the story now in Revelations chapter 11, verse 9. For three and a half days, some from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. That could not have happened when the book of Daniel was written. That could not have happened when Revelation was written. That could not have happened in 1990. That could not have happened in 2000. That could not have happened in 2010. The Bible prophesied that there's gonna be this moment in time that every people, every tribe, every language will be able to look upon these two men Notice how crazy the world is in verse 10. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them. They'll be so glad that these two have been killed. They will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. So the fourth piece of empirical data, God said that we are at the tipping point when world travel has come to the point where the whole world will be able to get on an airplane, a person, 
from every tribe would be able to go and be an eyewitness as if, as if like it was the World Series or it was the Olympics where people come because it's a spectator sport. They will come and view, not to mention those who don't go will open their phones and they will look upon those two prophets on their smartphones. Tipping point, the beginning of the very best to come. Now back at Daniel chapter 12, notice there were two things, right? Daniel, keep the prophecy a secret, seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, travel will increase, and second, knowledge will increase. We are in a knowledge revolution. You know it perhaps by the term artificial intelligence, AI. If you notice this graph by Buckmeister, in 1900, the capacity of human knowledge doubled every 100 years. Humans, in what they knew, it doubled about every 100 years. 45 years later, it came down to 25 years. Then we advanced to 13 months. IBM is predicting that now with the advancement of AI, human knowledge is going to begin to double every 12 hours. What took us 100 years will now take 12 hours. And let me just say it this way. Nobody arrived here this morning without AI. In your home, in your automobile, your smartphone, the technology that we're using, the power grid that brings the power from Ocala Electric to here, AI is now a part of all of our lives. When you get on an airplane, 90% of that flight is controlled by AI. It's a part of our everyday life. AI can think 100 times faster than a human being. AI doesn't get sick. AI doesn't need to take off for the weekends. AI is becoming a part of our everyday life. Now, we shouldn't be afraid. Just like with the Industrial Revolution, at that time, the vast majority of Americans made their income from farming. And when you had the Industrial Revolution, the job force began to change and move from farming to industrial. And yes, as AI takes up more and more and more time, uh, or more and more space, it, we will have to change and lean into that space as well. I wanna give some opinions along the way as I share this. One, I believe that AI is the most significant and world-changing invention in the history of mankind. AI is, is greater than fire, and AI is greater than the wheel. It has now impacted every aspect of our everyday life. If AI went down, you would not know how to operate tomorrow because you would not have water to your home, you would not have electricity. The communication processes for our um, emergency responders would be gone. AI is here to stay. Number two, write this down. It has more potential to do good or evil than any other invention in the history of mankind. AI has the potential to do more good or evil than any other invention. 
Have you ever heard of DARPA, D-A-R-P-A? That stands for the Defense Advanced Projects Agency. They're doing some great work. The term is transhumanism. It's integrating technology with humanity. You know, when someone suffers a spinal cord injury, it's often a death sentence. Or if a a limb becomes immobilized. But the technology today, they're able to hardwire, connect it to your smartphone, and the hand that wasn't able to be used before now is fully functioning. It's transhumanism. It's the integrating of technology and humanity. And for those who've lost the use of their hand, this is an incredible gift of, of health. I'm not sure if you've heard, um, Elon Musk has a company, it's called Neuralink. Neuralink. You can go to their webpage, there's a couple pictures here. They're doing some phenomenal work in the, the area of Parkinson's and now in dementia. They've created a device that you can see here on the screen that they're able to embed in the person's brain. And many of the motor functions that get lost during Parkinson's and dementias, they're now able to overcome with this device. Secondly, this device has the ability to upload what's in the brain to the cloud. To upload your brain to the cloud to be able to retrieve it as needed. Even in the education space, there is an experiment. And again, you see how it could be considered positive. You have to decide as a parent, but to overcome the learning skills, to put this device in your child's brain so that the learning curve can be downloaded. Upload to the cloud what you want your child to know, download it to the brain, and the learning has already taken place. And just telling you that AI, it's here and it's very much a part. Even in the area of surgical, this is a picture of a surgical doctor and the precision of the surgery from these machines is less invasive and much more accurate. There is an ongoing debate about artificial intelligence and machine learning. In other words, what you're accustomed to is there is a human being, a programmer, and he programs the machine what to do, creates the algorithm, right? You understand that. But where the science has gone to is what's known as singularity. In other words, we've moved from transhumanism to singularity. Singularity singularity in technology is a situation where the computer programs become so advanced that AI transcends human intelligence, potentially erasing the boundary between humanity and computers. It's here, it's happening right now. And it's important. I love living in Ocala. I chose Ocala. I will be here. My last breath, God willing, will be here in Ocala unless I go up in the rapture. But it's easy when you live in a space like this that we want to say, well, that's, these are kind of things that are happening out there somewhere. No. This is in play. It is guiding and directing the policies, the laws, the economy in the world in which you're living. Now, this third, I know what I'm about to say could be open for debate. It is my opinion from studying the scriptures. I think AI was invented for the purpose of creating our own God. 
Humans from the beginning of time have been trying to eclipse God. I don't need God to tell me what to do. I don't need his word. I don't need his Holy Spirit. I'll do what I want, when I want, how I want to do it. I'm gonna show you a video now from Yuval Noah Harai. He is the leading expert in the world in the area of humanism, in particularly the power of communication. Communication controls the world. You're seeing that every single day. It's at the very cornerstone of the political world in which we live. Is what someone's saying true or not true? Is it fake news and all the other? He, I want you to watch the images on the screen, and then I want you to listen carefully, and then I'll come back and have a thought or two. Take a look. The ability to manipulate and to generate language, whether with words, or images or sounds. The most important aspect of the current phase of the ongoing AI revolution is that AI is gaining mastery of language at a level that surpasses the average human ability. And by gaining mastery of language, AI is seizing the master key unlocking the doors of all our institutions, from banks to temples. Because language is the tool that we use to give instructions to our bank and also to inspire heavenly visions in our minds. Another way to think of it is that AI has just hacked the operating system of human civilization. The operating system of every human culture in history has always been language. In the beginning was the word. We use language to create mythology and laws, to create gods and money, to create art and science, to create friendships and nations. For example, human rights are not a biological reality. They are not inscribed in our DNA. Human rights is something that we created with language by telling stories and writing laws. Gods are also not a biological or physical reality. Gods, too, is something that we humans have created with language by telling legends and writing scriptures. Money is not a biological or physical reality. Banknotes are just worthless pieces of paper, <laughs> and at present, more than 90% of the money in the world is not even banknotes. It's just electronic information in computers passing from here to there. Right? AI has become the key to unlock human civilization. In case you didn't know, Yuval is not a believer and follower of Jesus. He believes that gods are created from the human mind. Here's a fourth statement that I'll make to you. AI is announcing the presence of the Antichrist. The Bible teaches very clearly that as we get to this tipping point, the beginning of the very end, that there will come a ruler 
a man onto the scene that will be the Antichrist. The initial perception of this man is he is Yeshua. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. It's interesting. I think one reason why AI is promoted as AI is they don't want you to slow down and to say the two words together, artificial intelligence. It's artificial. It's not real. The Antichrist isn't real. He is anti. And even AI and its programming, it'll never, if you've worked in any chat GBT space or any other space, it will never tell you, I don't know. It'll never tell you, I was wrong. It'll never tell you, I made a mistake because it makes it up as it goes along. That's promoted that it'll make your life better. In some ways, it has increased productivity in the workplace. Interesting, the English theoretical physicist uh, and author, widely viewed as the smartest man who ever lived, uh, Stephen Hawking, he, not a believer, he said, even though AI allowed him to continue to live, he said the development and the ongoing of AI could become the end of humanity as we know it. Now, this is not good news, and this doesn't feel like we're tipping into the beginning of the very best at all. So let us be reminded what God has to say to us in his word in 2 Timothy chapter 1. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. None of us have to walk around confused because we've got the spirit of the living God inside of us. And I want us to be reminded of that this morning, that if you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, yes, there are some crazy wild things happening in our world today, but God's spirit lives in me and the spirit, I'm not afraid, but we also have to understand what's going on. The Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, the tribe of Issachar, there was these really special men. And this is what I pray for us. There were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. That should be our posture as Christ followers. We understand the times that we're in and because of the Spirit of God in us and the Word of God guiding us and Jesus Christ who has saved us, we know how we should live. Like, we've got superpowers. We shouldn't be discouraged and defeated and depressed. Discouraged? We, we understand. So, we're going to do a rep together this morning. Before we get to that rep, kind of that workout, I want to give these answers to some questions that people have sent me about the Antichrist. One, do I think AI is the Antichrist? No. Uh, Second Thessalonians, Daniel uh, chapter 9, use the pronoun he himself. Literally, the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies, and he sets himself as God on earth at the end of that three and a half year when he breaks that covenant with, with Israel. And so AI is a machine and the Antichrist is a man. Number two, this question, could the Antichrist be empowered by AI? Well, yes, absolutely. We've seen that even in our elections. There are some people who would say that, that elections, some information was withheld it was kept from the general public. Uh, it wasn't allowed to be put out on social medias, and it made one candidate potentially look better than another candidate. Uh, social media, the algorithms, and all those kind of things. AI, which controls everything, 
everything, the water, all your normal, the water, the, the, the sewage treatment plants, uh, the airplanes, our cars, uh, our, our first responders, our military, the wars that we fight today, the drones are being controlled by a 19-year-old gamer in Las Vegas as they drop bombs someplace else. And so AI would, has the potential to set somebody up as a super leader. Number three, will the Antichrist use AI to control the world? Of course, yes. Have the ability for all of the economy. You just heard that your money, the money you think you have, 90% of it isn't even real. It's an electronic transfer from here to there. So imagine someone who has the key to that and turns it off or redirects it. And I don't, I'm not saying these, listen, we don't have a spirit of fear, but we've got to be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We need to understand the times in which you're living so we can be bold and passionate for Jesus Christ so that our friends can discover hope in Jesus. The world can see there's something different about this cat. He's at peace when the whole world is in chaos. Interesting, Google Larry Page, who is the co-founder of Google, his net worth, by the way, is $106 billion. Just kind of think about what that means. Um, he's good friends, or I should say was good friends with Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk's net worth is $180 billion. Um, AI has been very profitable for these men. They were together, and they were having a discussion, and this discussion became an argument and then it became a fragmented friendship because Elon was concerned about the advancement of AI. Uh, a decade ago, 300 engineers, AI engineers came together and they tried to sign an agreement that they would slow down the advancement of AI because they saw the potential negative. Uh, you're seeing now even in Congress that there's legislation that's trying to be written uh, to control AI. And what the, real, what the real problem is centers around this idea of this word, and I'm gonna to try to pronounce it correctly, a species, a species. You probably remember from college or from high school, species, right? We are a species. A species, when you put the E in front of it, it talks about the different species that are in the world. Larry Page, co-founder of Google, the owner of 80% of AI and the engineers believes that AI is its own species. And Elon didn't believe that. And this is where the real tension, the real pressure point is around AI. But what's most important for us as I conclude our Bible study is, is this, and we're gonna do, we're gonna do a rep, we're gonna work out together, is this. I, I took the time to teach you the Bible from the book of Daniel 2,500 years ago. God said there'd be a time where we begin to tip, where travel would speed up more and more and more. We are definitely there. Second, where knowledge would grow faster, faster and faster and faster. I, I, I've showed you now with AI, we are every 12 hours, what took 100 years for human knowledge to double, we are now at 12, we're at 12 hours. I'm told in banks that when they're teaching a bank teller to be able to discern whether or not this is a real bill or a counterfeit bill, is they have them handle the real thing. They don't expose them to counterfeit 
$100 bills. They let them handle the real thing over and over and over. And so they become so accustomed to the real thing, they now can spot the counterfeit. So what I want to do is to teach you how to handle the real thing the word of God. Because all the stuff that you're going to see in the media and all the other kind of things in AI, and I took some time and I, I gave you just a very elementary 101 kind of introduction to AI. The more you know God's word, the better equipped you will be. And so that's what I want to do. So on the screen behind me is a screenshot from a Bible software that anybody can have. This is Bible Gateway. You, it's on your computer. If you typed right now, it would pop up. You can curate any book in the Bible, any Bible verse in the Bible. You'll notice um, on the left side, you have access to commentaries and other study books and all, ki all kinds of information at your fingertips. When I started as a pastor in 1989, I had these, but they were all books. And I spent thousands of dollars on commentaries and all kinds of stuff. Now you have it at your fingertips. Here's what I know about you. You are incredible. You are incredibly resourceful. Those of you who have children, you research the different schools to place them in one school over another school. You research the teachers. What do I know about you? When you all go on vacations, man, you're checking it all out. Is it an Airbnb? Is it a VRBO? Is it a hotel? Is it a tent? I know you. You are great people. When it comes to, you know, shows that are happening, you know, on Netflix or Prime or whatever, you're watching it and you're following it and you're talking to your girlfriends and you're talking about this. Hey, when it comes to pumpkin spice lattes, you're experts. Now, I love you, but it's time for you to become an expert in God's word again. It is a travesty those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ and were illiterate in God's word. You need someone to walk in your life and say, you say you're a Christ follower, but getting up and reading his word every day and talking to him in a conversation is a chore? Check your faith. You need a pastor who loves you enough to say, those two don't reconcile. You can't tell me you're a follower of Jesus and you're not following him every day. What do you mean every day? How many days should you go this week without eating? There's a reason why God calls his word bread of life. You're going to spend eternity with God, but you can't spend two minutes tomorrow morning with him in prayer. You need someone that loves you like a guy named Mark and say, grow up, mature up. Get over this. Stop making excuses. You're brilliant people. You lead companies. You solve problems all week long. You research data. You travel. You do phenomenal things. But then when it comes to studying the Bible, you're like, well, I don't know. I'll just show up on Sunday and I'll vicariously live that through a preacher. That's sin. My name's Mark. I've got to work out my salvation every single day for me. So do you. I'm a curator. I set you up. I show you. So we're going to do a rep. They have an outline. This is 
right now we're gonna kind of pretend we're at my house. I want you to pretend you're at your house. This is what I do it every single day. Every single day, my, I, 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 I do this. I'm a little old school. You might wanna put it in a computer. I have a journal. I've got hundreds of these. My one of my daughters was at my house yesterday and she found some journals and she was starting to read through them and she was kind of laughing at some of the things that I was writing them. And I said, let me tell you something. There's like 800 more of those. Good luck reading through all that when I'm gone. I mean, it's, I just write it all down and I'll explain why I do that in a minute. Let me tell you why I do that. Following Jesus is not a hobby for me. Like I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Like I believe he left a real place called heaven and walked on this earth. Like I believe he was tempted in all points like I've been tempted, yet he did not sin. I believe that he is the savior of the world. I believe that he was crucified to a cross. I believe that he said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. I believe he was taken down off of that cross and when he was placed in a tomb. I believe three days later he arose from the grave and I believe he's coming again. And I believe that any man or woman who does not believe in Jesus Christ will die and go to hell. I'm going to live my life and leverage my energy because I want everybody to understand there's a tipping point and it's the beginning of the very best. Okay. We'll get back to my, I'm not, I'm not that fiery in the morning in my backyard. So I always begin in prayer and it doesn't have to be the longest. We're actually going to do this, right? I'm, I'm, we're going to move out of teaching. We're going to actually do this together. So when we do each step, I want you to think about going to a gym, right? So you go to a gym and the guy says, okay, we're gonna do a push-up, right? Let's pretend we're in the gym together. And I'm your trainer. So we're gonna do a push-up. So I'm gonna kind of get down, right? I would model it and I'd say, okay, you kind of get like this. Now we're gonna go down, we're gonna do the push-up, we're gonna go, right? You wouldn't sit there and watch me do the push-ups. What would you do? You would get down. You don't have to do this. I'm just doing this for illustration, right? You'd get down, okay? So when we do this, I want you to do it. You're great people. It's time that you start working out your spiritual muscles. You're fat. You're fat. You're obese. It's messing you up. This crazy professional Christianity that isn't in Asia, it's not in the Middle East, it's not in Africa, in the West, that you hire a guy, put him on a stage, you come and watch him do a dog and pony show on a Sunday, then you go eat something and you've done kind of your Christian thing for the week, is from Satan. Jesus died for you, how are you living for him? All right, I said I was done with that stuff, sorry. <laughs> come back. Okay, so we're gonna get into our first rep, prayer. You can pray out loud, pray soft, in your, in your own mind, whatever, but right now we're gonna pray and set the time Hey God, it's me, man. Thank you for a good night's sleep. Um, I don't know all that's gonna happen today, but I certainly know God that this book um, will guide me and direct me, so I really need your help. Um, and you know, I'm a millisecond away from stupid. And so I need your help. Um, illuminate your word for me so I can be the right kind of Christ follower that I can love Linda and my girls. Help me, God, in Jesus' name.
Amen. All right. So I, I kind of do a prayer like that. You do a prayer like that tomorrow. Then I've got a place for me. It's the veranda. I love being outside. So it's on my back porch. When it gets cooler, I've got a little heater right here. When it's real hot, I got the fan on top. Um, then you got to pick a scripture, right? So just for illustration, I've got First Chronicles on the screen today. You read whatever you want in your Bible, right? You can start in Genesis. You can go to John. You can go to the YouVersion Bible app that I've shared with you many times. They have different plans. But we're just going to start here. So then what I do, I say, okay, I, I need to observe. So the first thing I do is I just read through it. I say, okay, and all, all we're doing is observing it. Think about being a detective coming on to a crime scene. So Jabez, okay, guy was more honorable than his brothers. Okay, so he's a brother. Maybe he's the youngest brother. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Ooh, that must have hurt her. Um, all right, Jabez cried out to God of Israel. All right, he's praying. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Okay, is he hurting? Did something happen? And God granted his request. Oh, God answers for it. So what I'm doing is I'm observing it. Now, you might be saying, okay, Mark, if, if, if I'm gonna actually do that, like, that's two verses. That's gonna take me a minute. Hear me. It's not how much of God's word that you get through. Like some of you wanna read a chapter every day or read through the Bible in the year, and I think that's great. But what's most important is not how much of God's word you get through, but how much of God's word gets through you, okay? So I'm observing what's going on. Now when I go to the understand, this is where some tools happen. My, my Bible's at, at home and then even on the Bible gateway, notice the footnote at the bottom, verse nine, Jabez sounds like a Hebrew word, because I'm reading it in English, but it was written in Hebrew. So now I'm learning, it means distress or pain. So literally, his name is pain. And when you get to verse number 10, when he says, deliver me from pain, he, he basically saying, deliver me from Jabez. He understands that he can create his very own pain. See, the understanding part takes a moment. That's the commentary piece. I really want to understand, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Okay, why was he more, why was he more honorable? Oh, verse 10 says that he cried out to God. Maybe his brothers didn't cry out to God. Oh, okay. Then his mom, I mean, any moms have sons? Anybody have a son? Anybody okay? Let me ask you a question, right? You're, you're, you're birthing out that baby boy, right? And then like, you're like, what are you gonna name him? And the only thing you can think about, hurts, <laughs> hurts. That's what happened here. I don't know if it was the physical pain, some type of emotional pain, but you see what we're doing? We're slowing it down and we're trying to really understand what's going on. He understands that, that he needs God. God bless me and enlarge me. I would spend more time here, but for this morning's sake, let's go to the next, apply. Then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, okay, well, how do I need to apply this to my life? That's where my journal comes in. And that's where I begin to write, okay, how do I take this and apply this to my life today? And so then I'm looking at it and say, okay, Jabez, his mom named him pain. 
Oh, I know. The title someone gives you doesn't define you. I'm going to apply that. Because I've, I've, I've limped through life because I've had some people say some things about me. You've had some people say some things about you. You start thinking it's true. So I write that in my journal, right? I, I, God answered his prayer. God answers prayer, right? I'm, I'm writing things in there that I'm going to apply to my life. I'm going to make it sticky, right? Because I believe this book is alive. I believe this book will change my life. It make my marriage, make me be a better dad, make me a better businessman, make me everything. This book, I, I mean, you got to understand, I believe it. So I'm going to apply it. And then the next thing that makes it really super sticky, and I'm, I'm going faster than I normally do, is then I share it. So whatever that principle is, right? So the way this would work out for me is, is I'm thinking through my day, and then wherever I might go that day, if, that, if, the, if the application was, you know, your past doesn't define you. What, what someone labels you doesn't define you. So I'm at a restaurant, right? And here comes this waitress and who knows. I don't say to her, hey, blessed girl, I'm a Christian. And I was having my Bible study this morning in my back veranda. And the word of God from Chronicles said, stop all that nonsense. What I would simply say is, hey, how you doing? Maybe I'd sense this. Hey, I, I, I don't know anything about you, what's going on in your life, but I don't know one thing. You know what I learned today? That no matter what someone has tried to put on me, what title, what failures I've done, it doesn't define me. So I don't know what you might be going through, but I just want you to know today, hey, I'm just telling you, that, that takes what you learn to a whole nother level because I applied it. Thank you. Being together in this space today is really good. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to invite you today to start following Jesus. It's not about your behavior. It's not about your church attendance. It's about the reality that Jesus is for you. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Would you right now pray this prayer with me? Hey God, it's me. I've sinned and I know it and I can't fix me. But today I receive you, Jesus, as my savior. I believe that you died on that cross for me and that you were buried for three days and then you became alive again. And I invite you into my life to guide me and direct me all the rest of the days of my life. And with that prayer, my friend, welcome to God's family. I'd like to continue our friendship. If you would email me, pastor at hopeinocala.com. I'll follow up with you and together we'll celebrate Jesus in your life. Peace.